0: Sense, because just what we did in praying for one another, something changes when we pray. Because if we really believe that God hears us when we pray, and as far as I know, none of you were asking for God to dump a new Mercedes on you or a swimming pool in your backyard to show up when you get home today. Not in that, you know, the Jesus is Santa Claus kind of man. But if what you asked for was in accordance with his will, he hears it. So if you, pray, if you ask God, if you said you would like Jesus to give you peace and someone just prayed, We believe that God will give you peace. And it's like, okay, some novel idea that we actually, I mean, this is a true confession of a pastor. Novel idea that we actually believe if we ask for something, God hears us. And what we do, I think there's this phrase that Dan's used before, what happens here changes the world. Well, what just happened there changes something in your future. Not in some hocus-pocus way, but if we don't believe that prayer matters... And if we don't believe that God intervenes for those of us who call out to Him, then we're really denying a huge part of Scripture. So what we've been doing the last few weeks, the month of June, is we've called the Exodus Prayer Experience. So our Sunday mornings are a little bit different. We're uh, making it more um, participatory, more interactive. And the three words I put up there, fresh, disruptive, and practical. Because I'm convinced that a lot of us, myself included, need to have a fresh, disruptive, and practical uh, encounter with Jesus. And that may mean shaking up how we think about things in your personal spiritual life as well, in our Sunday morning life. So the Sunday morning, if you're, if you're new here, Sunday mornings are we're a little bit different. We're just being a little more interactive. Some of the stuff we do anyway. We do some of these things anyway. But, um, but I am going to share a passage right now from the uh, book of Acts. And then we're going to come out of that and do some other praying, uh, praying exercises. In the book of Acts, in chapter 3 and 4, Well, let me start here for a second. Let me stop this. I was talking to a pastor this week who's probably 58 years old and pastors a church of about 8,000 people. And he was telling me, he's, he's about 58. He was telling me he's sick and tired of talking to people over the age of 40. And I was talking to him, and I was like, really? I'm 51. I'm no, he said seriously. Yeah. He, he said seriously, what I find in in churches is that cynicism starts setting in. And we stop even dreaming of what God can do because all oh, we can think about, well, that's not practical. How would that happen? So he said, I'm committed to only talking to people in their thirties. Because he said they have enough life experience to be grounded, but they still dream a little bit. He said those who are in their 20s just dream and not grounded. So no offense. He said it. I didn't say it. But I came out of that thinking, let's never stop dreaming in a very grounded way about what God can do in our lives and through our lives. Don't ever read Scripture and think, wow, that was kind of neat that happened. And I don't think it'll happen. Push back against cynicism. Because it seems, it is very clear in the gospel in the New Testament, the Old Testament, especially in the book of Acts, there are things that happened and, and ways they were to dream about what God can do that was grounded in truth and Scripture and grounded in the Word of God and in Jesus and the Holy Spirit, but that was out there. So uh, part of this month is to get us to kind of shake up a little bit, shake us out of any cynicism cobwebs or if cynicism has hardened like cement, which it can and it, does, it has in my life before. So let's continue to dream in a very grounded way about what God wants to do, because what he said he would do. All right. So in Acts chapter 3 and 4, this is after you know, Jesus had died, he was resurrected, he had been ascended into heaven. Pentecost happened, this big phenomenal uh, pouring out of the Holy Spirit into the lives of these average men and women who were, now, who were followers of Jesus but who are now full of the Holy Spirit and, and boldness was a quality that they had after they didn't have before. What happens in these... And let me give you a little bit of the, the pre-story here. Peter and John are on their way to a typical prayer gathering. It was like the afternoon prayer time in their synagogue, so it was just a habit. On their way there, they walk past a uh, crippled... A man who the Scripture says in Acts 3 was crippled from birth. And he's obviously begging. It's the only way they could make money then. And Peter uh, and John... I can't remember which one was. Peter or John? Peter stops the beggar and he says to him, "Silver and gold have, said he looked, he said, he, Peter said, look at me. He says, silver and gold have I none, but what I do have I give you in the name of Jesus. Get up and walk. The guy was looking for a few pennies, quarters, dollar bills. And Peter, through the power of the Spirit of him, heals the man. And the man gets up and walks. And not only walks, Scripture says he was walking and leaping and praising God. And it obviously it drew a crowd because everybody was like, this is the guy that's been here his whole life. He's been crippled his whole life. We know him. We know his mom and dad. We know his bro- That's him. And now he's up there dancing around. So we got this big crowd, this big commotion, and then the religious leaders, the Pharisees, those who were in charge of religious systems, who in, in, in general in that time of Scripture, they had dead hearts, but they were very biblically knowledgeable, but dead hearts. They were bothered by this. Because Peter healed the man in the name of Jesus, who was the man that just months before they had condemned to death. And they were trying to squelch any rumors of this guy's resurrection. And it wasn't that he, the man was healed that bothered them. The fact that he was healed in the name of Jesus. That really bothered them. So they call in Peter and John after all this commotion. They call them in and they say, what, by what power did you do this? By what authority? And they said, well... I imagine Peter and John probably looked at him like, I I don't always like this, but they might have been like, duh. They're like, in the name of Jesus, whom you crucified. It's a way to win friends and influence people. We healed this man in the name of Jesus. The resurrected, the guy who you crucified, but he's now resurrected. And the, the teachers of the law, who were the legal and even the political power underneath the power of Rome, what they say to them is, you have to stop doing this in his name. They weren't, up, they weren't upset that the guy was healed. They were upset that he was done in that name. Now, side note here. You'll find it interesting that people won't be bothered or ruffled if you talk about God, religion, faith, or even Christianity. You say the name literally, Jesus in a conversation, it's a game changer, isn't it? You've probably been to those conversations where you say, well, I just a follower of Jesus, for some reason that becomes the offense. And you don't say it in a way that you're trying to offend people. But you've probably been in those conversations. It's easy to say, well, I've, I've, I'm a person of faith. Well, okay, that's true. But when if you say to somebody, I'm a follower of Jesus. So it's interesting how even in our culture today, God, faith, Christianity, church is somewhat acceptable. You start talking about Jesus, it. it comes off our lips a little challenging sometimes you start talking about jesus it changes the conversation and they knew that so they threatened peter and john they say well they didn't know how to they, in this case they didn't know how to punish them i mean the book of acts is full of these guys getting beaten with rods and whip but this time they weren't they were just threatened they said don't ever do that again it's like well, they just healed the guy but they're getting scolded for it because they did it in the name of jesus so peter and john go back to the men and women of the church and they Pray. They don't write letters to the editor complaining about the political problem in the college company. They don't go into hiding and say, let's lay low for a while until the Pharisees kind of lighten up because we don't want to have, cause any more trouble. They pray. They gather and they pray. And at the end of the prayer, they pray about God. You know, they, they ask all kinds of things. You can read Acts 4. But here's how the prayer ends. Go to the next slide here. And now, O oh Lord, hear their threats and give us, your servants, great boldness in preaching your word. <laughs> and if you know the story that happens in the next few chapters, they do preach with great boldness and they get arrested and beaten and whipped. But that seemed not to be on their mind. Give us great boldness in preaching your word. Stretch out your hand with healing power. May miraculous signs and wonders be done through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. The next one. There's one more, I think. After this prayer, the meeting place shook, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. And you might say, wait a minute, didn't that happen at Pentecost? Were they filled with the Holy Spirit? Yes, but it seems like in the book of Acts, it's like I said before, we all need multiple fillings because We leak. So filling with the Holy Spirit, yes, every believer has the Holy Spirit residing in them, but not every believer is full of the Spirit. You and I could name people that you would say, well, they're, I sure hope they're, if that's full of the Spirit, I don't want that. You, so you know what I mean. We all believe the Spirit in, is, inhabits anyone who is a follower of Jesus, but whether someone is full of the Spirit is a whole different category. So in this case, it says they were all full of the Spirit, and the meeting place shook physically. I mean, Luke, who wrote the book of Acts, Luke was a doctor. He's a medical doctor. So he had some sense of research, he understood details. He didn't just elaborate and kind of make it more than it was. Something happened here. But what they prayed for here I thought was interesting. They prayed for boldness. And even earlier in Acts chapter 3, the Pharisees, what they were amazed with about Peter and John, it says they were amazed at their boldness. And boldness really just means being able to speak frankly without fear about what the person's going to think about you when you say it. And I don't know about you, but I'm often, I often speak and I lack boldness because I'm trying to figure out if I speak too boldly, they may think I'm something X, Y, Z, and I don't want them to think about me that way. And sometimes we're held captive to the opinions of the other person. Now, I'm not saying be a jerk. I mean, they're not, they're not saying, let's go out there and, Bash the Bible down people's throats and be a jerk, and that's not what they're talking about. They're talking about boldness and strength in proclaiming Jesus, and they're actually calling and asking God for miracles and power. And then they preach the word with boldness. Here's what I want us to do this is now where we get fresh, disruptive, and practical. We're going to pray in a minute here for for boldness. And uh, I'll tell you how we're going to do that in a second. Because what would it be like if every church in Bloomington, every Christian in Bloomington, even notched up one degree of boldness, or two, or five, or ten? Boldness being when you feel like God's asked you to do something, you do it without fear or timidity of what others around you are going to think. All right. So to start that off, though, we're going to watch a video here in a second and uh, every Sunday in June, we've shown a different video from a different pastor in Bloomington talking about their church. Um, first week, it was Doug Schroeder from Emmanuel Baptist. Last week, the video didn't work. This week, we're going to do Chris Jones from Redeemer Church. We're going to watch it. Then we're going to pray for Chris that he would be a person of boldness. And for their church, they would have boldness. Then we're going to pray for us. So let's watch the video first. And again, boldness is the word right now. Keep that in mind. We're up in your head. Okay, here's what I want you to do, and this is where we get fresh, disruptive, and practical. I want you to now get in groups of like four, men with men, women with women, all right? So do that real quick. Uh, introduce yourselves, and I'll tell you what we do next, all right? So get, meet some new people you haven't met, men with men, women with women, four-ish, five-ish, no more than that. Uh, and then uh, and I'll give you some instruction after that. want do. It was uh, his name was Chris. His wife's name was Crystal. Some of you may remember the kids' names. I don't. That's okay. And the church was Redeemer. I want uh, at least one, maybe even two of you in the group, or more. But don't no feel any pressure. Nobody has to pray. We're not looking for that. I want you to pray right now for Chris and his wife Crystal. I think what he said was he wants to make sure his identity is fully rooted in Jesus. And we want to pray that the church would be fully rooted in Jesus. So um, if a few, and then, and all, yeah, a few of you would just pray for that. Pray for Chris and Crystal. That, like he said, they'd be firmly rooted in Jesus and pray for the believers at Redeemer Church that they would also be firmly rooted in Jesus. So if a few of you in your group would pray um, for that. Chris and Redeemer that they would be uh, that God would give them boldness just make sure that woven in there too give them boldness that time up here in about a minute. Okay, let me have your attention. Here's what I want us to do now. I want you to stay in your groups, and we're going to do something that feels a little counterintuitive. I'm going to ask you in your groups to pray for one another for boldness, but I want it to be quiet. We're not going to say anything. I want you to pray quietly, and I'm saying that because I don't want anybody to confuse boldness with loudness. One of the most bold Christian men I know was incredibly soft-spoken, but he was riveting. All right? So I don't want you to think you have to be bold. You, know, it's not, you don't have to be an extrovert person or loud like I am loud. All right? So I want to have just time now of quiet prayer. And I want you to pray. If you don't even know the names, if you can't remember the names of people in the group, just say, you know, God, the guy right across from me in the group or the person next to me, just give them boldness. So let's do that quietly uh, for the next couple of minutes. Uh, jeremy page just to pray for all of us that god would give us a spirit of boldness so jeremy go ahead Now, I'm going to move your chairs back when we keep talking. I'm going to, let's, let's pay attention this week. If there's a moment when you all of a sudden realize or feel this nudging, that it may be a bold moment. Again, not that you have to be loud or brash and definitely not rude, but maybe you're in a conversation with somebody. Maybe it's even a conversation with your spouse or a loved one or fellow Christian, and you feel like there's something God has put on your heart to tell them that will require you to push through a little bit of a membrane to say it because you're not sure how they're going to receive it, All right. So pay attention to the Holy Spirit this week, and when you get one of those, you know, ding dong moments. I don't mean like ding dong stupid. I mean when you know something's happening that's more than your own memory kicking into place. Because let's remember, Christianity is first and foremost not a teaching religion. It's not a singing religion. It's a supernatural religion. So we believe supernatural things. Should happen because that's what the Bible's all about—the supernatural empowering of God. Now we're gonna uh, gonna, we finish every week with communion, and we're gonna do it similar, but we're gonna add uh, add something this week. Um, One of the things they prayed for in Acts was they said, "God, now stretch out your hand and with healing power." And this is where some of us, myself included, can get a little queasy and a little weird meter stuff, like, okay, healing power. Um, but they talked about that, they prayed about that, that is over and over, shows up in Scripture, so we're at least supposed to ask. So, here's what we're going to do. Uh, let me, let me uh, explain communion first. Well, Actually, let me do this first. James 5, this is, what passage, this is what James says in James 5, all right? Go ahead and go to the next slide there. Are there any of you suffering hardships? You should pray, and if you're happy, you should sing praises. Are any of you sick? You should call for the elders of the church to come and pray over you, anointing you with oil in the name of the Lord. Such a prayer offered in faith will heal the sick. The Lord will make you well. Now, that's quite a bold statement, isn't it? It's one of those things. Boy, if you do that, what if it doesn't happen? Is this really what it means? Let's just take Scripture at face value, that what it means is what, we're, what we have the opportunity to do. Such a prayer offered in faith will heal the sick, and the Lord will make you well. If you've committed any sins, you'll be forgiven. Again, not assuming that sin causes sickness or weariness, but again, sometimes you need to at least ask yourself the question. All right? So here's what we're going to do. We're going to have communion, and I'll explain that. In a, well, let me explain communion first, and I'll say that in verse ties in. Here's how we do it if you're new here. We have uh, another song we're going to sing. As we're singing, uh, we invite anybody up for communion. The way we do it here at Exodus, you come on up to either this aisle or that aisle or over on the side. There'll be somebody that has bread, somebody that has a cup of the, uh, the grape juice. And we'll offer you the bread. You tear it off, offer you the cup, just have you dip it in. We don't drink out of the cup. No, no major reason other than how we do it here. Dip in the cup and then head on uh, back to your seat. Most people eat it right away. Some people can t- take it back to their seat. It's up to you. All right. So we'll do that while the singing is going on. At the same time, um, right around here, and I just blocked it off, not because anything creepy is going to happen back there, but just because there's a little bit of privacy. Uh, I've asked uh, some of the guys who have been elders, uh, Brian Arnold, Paul Costanza, I don't know if Jason's here, if Marcus is here, if he wants to. And there's some oil back there, all right? It's not like being blessed by a priest or anything, but we're just going to do what Scripture says. And if you want them to pray for you. And again, I always say we can all pray for one another, but there are times in scripture where it seems like there's something about a certain role in the body that their prayers don't matter more, but somehow that's what we're supposed to do. All right. So um, so if you just head on back there and they'll have, probably take oil and probably put a little you know spot on your forehead or on your hand or whatever and they'll just pray for you. Pray for you need to tell them, hey, I want healing from and it could be a physical issue, it could be an emotional issue. Maybe it's just I'm healing from weariness. All right. so you don't have to go back there. If anybody goes back there, there's no shame in going back there. There's probably more shame in not going back when you feel like God wants you to go back, right? So uh, we'll do that so it'll be kind of everything happening at the same time. And uh, if you want elders to pray for you, and Dan could be back there as well. But, you know, whatever we have need for, if you've been an elder at this church, then I want you back there, and, and we'll pray, all right? So let me pray, and then we're going to sing, and then we'll take communion and uh, pray for healing. All right, Jesus... Um, You said that when you brought this bread and cup to your, your followers many, 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 many years ago, that you said we're to do this and remember you. And we're not supposed to remember simply the events of your death. We're supposed to remember the power in which you said we would have if we gave ourselves to you through the new way that you opened by the shedding of your blood and by your resurrection. So we take this bread and this cup in confidence that when we take you inside of us, that we are actually inviting your, the power of your Holy Spirit inside of us. And at the same time, Jesus, as some go back for prayer, for healing, God, you told us to do this. So we're doing because you told us to. We don't, you're responsible for the results, God, not us. We're doing what you ask us to do because we believe you want us to do that. And we ask this all in your name. Amen. I'm going to go on back in the back side and some of the elders will head on back there to pray for others too.